You're listening to The Omni Show, where we connect with the amazing community surrounding The Omni Group's award-winning products. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we learn how Michael Taylor uses OmniPlan. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Omni Show. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we have Michael Taylor. She's a systems engineer and robotics geek, and she's an independent consultant in robotics and unmanned systems. And she's worked with Rethink Robotics, Bluefin Robotics, and is currently the principal technical program manager at Amazon Robotics. And she utilizes OmniPlan to get a lot of that done. That's why we're talking today. Michael, why don't you say hi and tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. So yeah, my name is Michael and I have a problem with robots. I've been working in the robotics field my entire career. I started building robots when I was in high school. And somewhere along the way, I realized that in addition to the engineering part of robotics, I also really liked managing these projects. Uh, And that is where I have ended up today. So I'm currently a principal technical program manager at Amazon Robotics. But uh, yeah, it's been all robots all the time for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me about this story arc that you say happened uh, during high school. Do you remember your first interaction with anything robotic where you just see something and you're like, this is awesome. I need to see more of this. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I went to an all-girls high school uh, in the Midwest. And as basically a charity project, these college students from Ohio State University in the engineering department came over to our school and then were like, You know, we've decided there need to be more women in STEM and we want to start a robotics team that's part of the first robotics competition. And we want to start it here. Would you be interested? And my science teacher was like, you've got a free period, this period, right? Go meet with these guys and, you know, maybe you'd be interested. Um, And so I kind of got like lumped onto the team that way, but then I fell in love with it. It was my first introduction to what engineering really could be. Definitely my first introduction to robotics and programming and all of that. I had a vague idea that because I was good at math and science, I should be an engineer, but I didn't get what it was until doing the first. And then, yeah, the rest from there was pretty much history. This is so cool. And I I love kind of hearing this story develop where you are interacting with robots, you're having fun in this space. Talk to me about this transition that happens where it's not just I'm doing the tactical day-to-day work with these robots to now I'm looking at more managing outcomes that have to do with the results that these robots produce. Uh, Talk to me more about how that, how does that transition take place for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. So my first job for Bluefin Robotics, we made underwater robots. And I started at that company. Um, my college degree was in electrical engineering. And I was doing some like electrical engineering, quality engineering, debugging, that kind of stuff there on a big project for the Navy. They did defense contracting. And um, I was kind of merrily just doing my thing and then started joining some meetings with a systems engineer who was leading them where it was kind of like, oh, I'm getting a look at all parts of the system here. Like, learning about the software, I'm learning about the electronics, I'm learning about the controls theory and the mechanical design behind it. And I was really interested in this and the project manager noticed and he started pulling me in and kind of deputizing me to the lead system engineer. So that's when I first was like, okay, so first of all, I know I like seeing a little bit of everything. Like I liked the work I was doing in electronics, but like I liked seeing all these other aspects of it and figuring out how they fit together. So that's why I initially transitioned to a systems engineering and I compare that with Neo at the end of the first Matrix movie when like suddenly he can see the Matrix, right? He can see everything. Like that's to me what systems engineering is. So I did that for a couple of years. And then the systems engineering role at that company was kind of a technical leadership role, right? Working very closely and almost tag teaming sometimes with the program manager. And the more I did the systems engineering and the more I worked closely with the program managers and saw what they did, the more I was like, you know what? I actually think I kind of like some of what they're doing too. 
And I was lucky to have a couple of PMs there who took me under their wing, taught me about that. And I found out that I did actually really like it. So I went on that path for a while, doing systems engineering on some programs, project management on others. Eventually, I had to make a choice. It was hard to give up the engineer title. It was hard to give up the engineering hands-on part, but I did it. And I have been fortunate enough to be able to work in roles where when I do want to get my hands dirty, there is usually an opportunity and it's always a good day. It is really cool starting to hear this story arc emerge where the previous experience with robotics is starting to inform your level of knowledge for what projects might require as you're beginning to see, okay, we need this amount of resources or this amount of planning because I know how long these things take. Uh, talk to me about the other side of that, though. How do you start looking into Gantt and more formal project planning? Is this something that you were mentored into or had formal training with? Or just over time, I'm just picking this up and realizing uh, this is what it takes to manage a project at this level. Yeah, it was really through mentorship. I don't think I had formal program management training until I did a PMP course when I was a good eight years into being a program manager. And then I only just, I'm on like year 16 of my career this year, and I finally took an agile scrum master course three months ago. Um, so, you know, better late than never. Uh, but, it, but it was very much learning hands-on on the job. And that first job at Bluefin where I had that mentorship, it was defense contracting. So it was a very traditional waterfall methodology. Everything's in Gantt charts. They're fully resourced. You're doing earned value management system tracking, very sort of traditional DOD kind of project management. So that's where I got my start. Through that, because robotics is by its very nature an incredibly cross-disciplinary sort of thing to work on, there's obviously a very heavy software component, which doesn't lend itself well to that traditional waterfall methodology. And I saw the struggles because this was in, you know, the mid 2000s before Agile and the whole tech industry being what it is now really came into play, where we were, everyone was still really trying to shoehorn a lot of software project management into this traditional model. And so you could see the weaknesses, you know, it'd be like, oh, we're going to track number of lines of code, right? We estimate that this this feature is 20,000 lines of code and we're 10,000 lines of code into it. Therefore, we're 50% done. And like the Navy was struggling with how to understand this. We were understanding with how to communicate it. The software team was like, this is meaningless. And so you could, I could see the holes there and that kind of set me up to understand like, all right, there is a future in figuring out how to do this well for robotics specifically, where you do have the physical realities of material lead times and building physical things, but you have this incredibly complex software component that plays into it. Hmm. I really like, too, how your experience is informing this role as almost mediator, too. You know, sharing how can I serve and, and what can I do to allow all parties to be in a clear level of understanding here. What advice might you have for somebody that is in project planning at kind of this larger level, but they, they just don't know necessarily what the first tips or tricks should be. Do you have any go-to advice that you give people when they're just getting started? Oh man, I have so many thoughts on this. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, <laughs> sure, yeah, no, we got time. And so I, I think that there's a couple kind of stages of growth with project management from, and I will hubristically say it's from good to great. And I think, you know, the good project managers, they have the skills down, they have the tactical skills down, right? They can use OmniPlan or Microsoft Project. They can use Jira or another one of those sort of agile methodology sort of management systems. They know how to make a plan. They know how to understand dependencies. They understand how to scope. Like that's all kind of table stakes, right? And that, that is really important stuff to understand and to be good at, but it's not everything, right? That's just good. Better is when you can do all that and then you also understand 
how to roll with the punches, right? And this is actually like the fun part of project management for me is when stuff starts going wrong. When everything is going right, oh, it's boring. Like there's nothing for me to do. I just sit there and I'm like, good job team. When things are going wrong, that's when it's fun because now you can use all your skills of rapidly replanning, you know, thinking through, did we try this? Did we try this? And it's the debugging aspect almost like in engineering that I enjoyed of how do I figure out what happened here and how do I fix it? So it's basically, that's the engineering of a project that I can do that's really fun. And then great, I think, is where you're really building on your emotional intelligence to build a healthy team, to build a productive team. You're encouraging the growth of their emotional intelligence. And that means when you get into those stressful situations where things are going wrong, the team is working together as one, you're getting information you can trust, and they will follow your leadership and your vision. It's funny to me that some of the stuff that's most important that you left for the great category is not necessarily quantifiable. You know, you don't see this information uh, on OmniPlan or in an Excel spreadsheet anywhere. That's really cool to me. Michael, do you have any recollection of when you first came across OmniPlan or the Omni Group more broadly? Do you remember your first interaction with them? I do. It was in, I believe, 2008. And I had just become a militant Mac user for the first time. This was like when the original Intel-based MacBooks came out, right? It was very exciting. I had never been a Mac user before, and these computers are beautiful, and they were so much fun, and I wanted to have them, so I bought one personally. And then when I switched jobs in 2008, and the company was owned by a bunch of academics, well, I had Macs, so I was like, I will also take a Mac. And then I sat down on the first day, and I was like, oh, God, I can't run a project. <laughs> So that's when I started looking around for what are my options here? And I came across OmniPlan. And I don't know. I mean, if you can fall in love with a piece of project management software, I think I fell in love. Because it was, it was everything I wanted out of project, but it was a much prettier interface. I could work on the, the laptop that I wanted to. And it just became an easy, natural changeover from project. And I've been using it ever since. Do you mind placing OmniPlan in an overall context? Are there corollary software that you use that hooks into or out of it? Uh, how big of a slice of a pie is it? Can you kind of place it in context there in the overall workflow for us? Yeah, totally. I will preface this by saying that one of my tenets of good project management is be exactly as much of a project manager as a project requires. So little ones don't need the full gamut of stuff. And then big ones need all the complexity. So I will, I will go with the worst case scenario, which is the big projects, the really big complex ones. And in that space, and again, this is something that I think I've developed my way of working in robotics specifically, is that OmniPlan is about planning the project. It is not necessarily about tracking the project. And the reason for that is that, especially when you have all of these, you know, different software teams and hardware teams and manufacturing and all these other things, trying to track things on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis in Gantt form when half of the teams don't even use that methodology it's pretty well impossible to do. And so it's just not even worth trying to do. So what I do with OmniPlan is I create the project plan up front based on input from the teams. We have a whole post-it note exercise we do to figure out the major milestones and dependencies and where they fall chronologically with respect to each other. And that is what I start with the skeleton of the plan in OmniPlan. And what I like about OmniPlan is the ability to link all those dependencies in this way that makes sense to my brain. Maybe it doesn't to everyone, but it makes a lot of sense to my brain. It's the dependency management, right? And I can see, okay, if we deliver this feature and do this integration at this stage, but somebody else expected us to have completed that three months ago, we have a problem here, right? And that's what I find so valuable about things like OmniPlan compared to a lot of these other tools is 
the dependency management and visualization is second to none with kind of that Gantt view. Once I have that and we've kind of resolved any conflicts on the dependency front, then I can kind of start filling in phases and effort and duration at this stage because I work so much with software teams, I usually don't resource load stuff. It just doesn't make sense. But but at least for, you know, the bulk of like the hardware work in particular and understanding what the software teams owe the other teams and what those teams owe the software team for integration, the Gantt view is very, very helpful for that. Then I take that, we review it with the team, we make sure that everybody understands that it makes sense. The plan immediately becomes obsolete following that meeting because that's just how it works. But then we can move on to other tools to manage the kind of day-to-day, week-to-week stuff, right? And those are the kind of traditional task management, the sprint management, sprint planning sorts of things. And then we go back and we check in with the overall program plan and omni-plan once a month or once a quarter to say, okay, what has changed? Has any of the stuff flipped? If so, what are the implications on everything else? And again, that view and those dependency links are so important for that. Does being able to see things at that level give you an additional perspective that other people find helpful? Uh, yeah, part of it is is your role to serve people in that way. But being able to see, okay, there's dependencies here. A, B, and C didn't happen, so therefore X, Y, and Z can't happen. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, understanding where things are blocked or where things are going to slip is, to me, much easier to see using OmniPlan than other tools. And I've tried before to do all the dependency linkages and the visualizations and things like Jira, and it doesn't work. It's not as robust. And you can't do as complex of relationships between work as you can in OmniPlan. So I think it's a really valuable tool to kind of look ahead and prepare for the worst, hope for the best. You mentioned some of these unseen factors that show up when managing a team effectively and looking and planning for the future. Somebody doesn't pay attention to those things unless they really do care about being as productive as they possibly can be. What would you say makes you passionate about productivity? I think it's the reward of hearing from the teams that I work with that I have helped them by implementing these structures, these mechanisms and so forth. Prior to my current job, I worked almost exclusively at startups and very early stage companies. And I've even been to places where I show up on day one. They're like, yeah, I've never had a project manager before. I don't even know what you do or like why I want you here. But we heard we needed one. And so to me, I love that challenge of like, let me show you how I can help you because I do want to help you. And I see project management as a service role, right? I am in service to the rest of the team. You know, no place I've worked has anyone directly reported to me in a sort of like, I'm your manager and I hire and fire you away. I have dotted line reporting, right? I have, uh, I have to influence without having the authority of your actual boss, which is really challenging. And so to me, that means I have to put myself in a position of, I need to prove to you that I'm helpful. I need to show you that I am going to help you. I need you to notice that your job is easier now that I'm here than it was before. So to me, that's why I love these organizational tools and I like being in that role of doing this work is it helps me bring everything together into one picture and get the team to understand, oh, now I see the matrix too. That's incredible. How much does automation play a role in the work that you do, Michael? Do you see the same scenario show up every single time? There's only five scenarios. This is number three. We made a template, so here we go. Or is that level of chaos that you say you enjoy as a challenge showing up for you every single day? No, not across my career. I can't templatize it across my career. You know, when I worked for Bluefin doing the defense contracting, there was sort of a standard project template we could come up with because, you know, you have a certain work breakdown structure. It equates to certain kinds of work streams that are common. We did one kind of product. So there I did have a template that I would usually start with. But as I've moved between companies, 
one of the things about robotics is every time you take a new job, you're in a new vertical, right? I do e-commerce logistics now. I used to do manufacturing robotics. I used to do telecommunications drones. I did underwater robots from the military before that, right? Like the kind of work you're doing, the customers you're delivering to, and the other inputs you have are so different. It's hard to templatize between you know, company to company. And even within my current role, I think the kind of project I manage, it has evolved over time. I joined when it was like early stage R&D and technology development. And that required something completely different than now when, you know, we're in full on product development, we're releasing a product and fielding it. So, you know, again, I, you know, I go back to my be exactly the project manager the project needs. And for that reason, I don't like to shoehorn it into, well, this is this scenario and this template. I like to just kind of roll with it. Thank you so much for that answer. And one more question before we, we wrap it up. I'm really interested about, is there anything in your journey that you've experienced along the way that, you know, I always say failure is probably too harsh or, or not something that you would regret, but that you would just look back and say, had I to do this whole thing over again, I probably would have just skipped that slice. And maybe it's instructional for somebody. Perhaps they can skip that slice too. That's a very interesting question. Yeah, no, it's it's a good question. I mean, oh my gosh, if I said no, I would be lying and pretending that I have never screwed up. I think that I will come back yet again to my thing, you know, be the project manager the project needs. I think that was learned in a trial by fire way because earlier in my career, I occasionally came in swinging being like, here is how we will manage this project. We must create a work breakdown structure. We must do this. And it didn't go over well because it was people who didn't have the experience I had. It was a different industry, different vertical, even though the technology was the same in robotics, right? It was people who were used to that style of project management. And I lost trust and influence that way. And again, you know, project managers have to influence that authority. And if you lose that trust and influence, you know, you're kind of screwed. And so I think that's it is learn that lesson early of learn different ways of managing projects, learn different scopes of projects, right? Get a lot of that experience as quickly as you can so that you understand how to tailor yourself for what a project needs. And that way you maintain the relationships and trust you need to be successful. That's awesome. Michael, I'm really grateful for this mindset of service that you're really emphasizing here. Even though this is a software interview and of course we use the tools to get the job done, I, I really appreciate this focus on something that was taking a direction in the conversation I really didn't expect, but in a good way. If folks are interested in connecting with you and what you're up to, how can they do that? Uh, well, I, I am on Twitter for now at, uh, at Michael Taylor. And, you know, you're free to follow me there for my unfiltered thoughts on robotics and project management and a lot of nerdy fandom. That's awesome. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, and thank all of you for listening today, too. You can drop us a line on Twitter at The Omni Show. You can also find out everything that's happening with The Omni Group at omnigroup.com slash blog. <laughs>